0: I really love jasmine, or yasmin as my mum says, and it always reminds me of Turkey. And it's it's like one that always, you know, I stay with Davy. Like um, smells like bring back memories. I guess it's a bit like music as well. Um, but that just always takes me back. And you don't really get many jasmine kind of growing in in the UK. And but in London, like our neighbour had it and. Walking back after the, you know, in the evenings, and it just catches, and it just reminds me of the summers spent there, and it's really beautiful, and um, yeah, that's the one I always go back to.
1: And welcome to Beneath the Stream, a podcast about the human experience in the non-human world. Um, Now, I've got a quote here from the novelist Tom Robbins, um, and it said, Louisiana in September was like an obscene phone call from nature. And uh, he goes on to talk about how it's a huge assault of the senses, and particularly... The olfactory senses and that's what i wanted to talk about today and um, today's podcast is about um scent and smell and how important that is to our uh relationship with the non-human world so uh, i'll kick off straight away and how important is it to you scent and smell to your experience
2: Do you know and i was clutching at that as you were speaking thinking well it is important and so i was thinking what are my the smells that really work for me but actually that quote made me think of um, the first time I went to Sri Lanka and it was my first trip outside of Europe and how just the sheer power and variety of smells, the earthiness, the just the assault on the senses. And uh, that first night in that new country with smells in my nose, I couldn't sleep. And so it clearly is important, even though I don't acknowledge it most of the time, that experience was overwhelming mm. and and my brain was busy clearly trying to work process all of that extra information so yeah it's important to me but i don't always acknowledge it
1: and it's remarkable isn't it you said you, your brain was suddenly processing extra information of new scents um, new smells as if you know the as if that particular one of your senses had up until that moment been sleeping somehow Yeah. Um um and it's always an exciting experience, isn't it? Spelling those new things, um and, and trying to get used to those. So do you think actually I I have this sort of theory that culturally for for you and I at least, living where we do in the world and living in this generation, we aren't really taught to develop our sense of smell. Um it has no we're not we're not told or taught that it has a um a particular function to mm-hmm. play, does it? Um unless it's kind of oh smell this, this this smells really nice or or smell something because food smells nice or something. other than that, we're not really taught to use it. What's your what's, is, is that fair to say? No, I agree. And I
2: was gonna think about my partner Gina who has an acute sense of smell and spent most of her childhood in South America and Guyana out in the outdoors sort of barefoot playing with other kids. And and I'm really aware when I'm with her that she is tuned in to the smells of things much more than I am. So whether it's a upbringing thing, whether it's an environment that I was, you know, in a more urban environment, so or, or living in a country where smells weren't so impactful. I don't think I am, but I quite like it when my senses wake up and smell comes to the fore.
0: So it's my strongest sense, my nose i am a nose and beyond ears and eyes um and back- because i went blind as, a, as a ch- uh, in my left eye as a child and my nose p- kicked in um so for me the my nose is my is my greatest guide of m- all
1: my senses and and i and, and often we often end up can we often compare ourselves to animals on this program don't we we often we, we often mm-hmm. kind of we we talk about how what, what dull creatures we are really, what blunt animals we are compared to um, some, some of the remarkable non-human inhabitants of this planet. Um, but uh, in Nature magazine in March, 2014, some there, there was a report on some work that had been done um, um, on the human sense of smell. And, and I think the person leading that sort of said in that article, it's remarkable that a lot of this work hadn't been done before. We'd kind of taken the human sense of smell for granted um but uh, there was an estimate out of that piece of work and 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 sort of expanded on in this article that the human nose can detect 1 trillion different odors is that right and so that was really about its ah. its uh, the sort of physiological capabilities of our of our noses often as humans we have trouble separating out those smells and so our our scent experience of the world is often um Taken in concert, it, it, it's mm-hmm. a it's a total experience of all those smells um, linked together. Rather than it, it, it's the classic thing of saying the smell of a forest, or the smell of a beach, or it's the smell of a windy moorland. Um, we take that as a smell, whereas of course in reality that that that's made up of millions of smells, uh, different odors all coming together to create that. That sense of what a place is. So,
2: what's your sense of smell like?
1: Do you, think it's... I, do you know? I've, I've I've no idea, oh. um, because <laughs> yeah, because yeah. that and that's yeah. what we're talking about. Nice. I mean, you know what my sense of smell is like? I know that the, some of the scents and smells that suddenly, you know, get my imagination and my heart racing, and uh, and and you talk about sort of new smells. I think the first, the first time I walked into um, uh, a Moroccan market, a Moroccan mm-hmm. souk. Suddenly, there's this. Suddenly, you're you're around the world in a, the, yeah. a flash, yeah. um, because of all the spices that you're smelling, the different the smells of cooking food, um, even even the wood that things are crafted from smell differently in in those in in those less familiar places, and so you you take all those things in and think oh, this is it's, it's, it's remarkable. Um, but actually, our ability, our potentially, our ability to separate out those things and 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 understand and and sort of delineate the components of of what a place smells like, are, are perhaps a, a little difficult for us to do. And that's
2: what I was picking up on actually, as you were talking, because I was thinking I'm I'm sure that my synaptic links are very weak when it comes to that, because eventually I can work out what a smell is, but it, I can see my mind casting around for what what is that i recognize that yeah. whereas i don't know auditory you know it's something i've got an affinity with so sounds i'm pretty good particularly wild sounds but um, but smells yeah i kind of it's almost like some old-fashioned rolodex thing it's rolling in my mind thinking you've, you've encountered this smell before so you do know it but I don't, but i just can't remember it and it takes me a long long time to make, make the link
0: Is that really weird? I really like the smell of coal because we used to have a coal fire, and my best friend and I used to cut them open and pretend that there were diamonds in the middle of them. And then we used to smell them. We used to pick them up and smell them, and they smelled lovely. Um, the smell of herb robert, uh, which is a geranium family, for me, is the smell of my of, of one of my earliest childhood memories of going walking in the peaks with my family when I was probably about five or six and crushing that plant as we walked and the, 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 the volatiles of that geranium-ness coming up is such a sort of calming and sense of verdancy.
1: And you mentioned the word link there. So I wanna, d- let's throw a few questions out and talk about um, the, the the link of scent and smell to other things. Let's start with one that's really familiar and obvious to a lot of us and that's the link of scent and smell to memory mm. so I think we all have those things don't we we all we all have um we'll have something when we smell it it's there's this there's this transporting nature there's a there's a quote from Patrick Susskind who wrote the novel perfume the story of a murder oh. which was made into the film um and uh, he says in that odors have a power of persuasion stronger than that of words appearances emotions or will the persuasive power of an odor cannot be fended off there is no remedy for it ah. so you can't you smell those things and suddenly you can't you can't shake them um, they they're, they're always there um, do you have any of those scents which which trigger memories for uh, you? I think there's a couple actually. It's funny because
2: we're we're recording this in springtime in England, and um, so the day before we recorded this podcast, I was walking in the in the fens nearby, the marshes, the swamps, and and there's a smell that came out of the swamp, and it's sort of it's a mixture of m- freshwater mint and, um, Olmaria meadow sweet for the pendula, and and it kind of that thing just took me back to the first time i ever went into a place like that you know it's sort of 15 16 or whatever and being i'm just aware that this smell unlike anything else and the other one i which i think i've picked up on the sound before which is the scent of being in a pine forest it takes me back to being a young child and yeah we had some pine trees up the road from the house but i was, I was a very kind of it's very urban environment on the edge of countryside but those pine trees somehow in my imagination had a link to something more wild. Mm. The sound of the wind in those pines. And you imagine this clump of three or four Scots pines just between houses really, a little patch of ground, nobody did anything with or anyway. Um but the smell of those pines, I used to go and stand under the pine trees. Sounds weird now talking about it, but actually it makes a, it makes a lot of sense. But we're all weird kids really. But I stood under the trees and so every time I smell pines it symbolises wild places, freedom, tranquility. It's if I had to bottle something, you know, make mm. it a an essence I would carry around and, and pop the cork on the thing and sniff
1: it and say, Oh, let's come back there. That might be it. It might be that. And the great the great novelist, uh, Adam Thorpe, and in his in his um non fiction book on Silbury Hill, he talks about he talks about uh, the smell of pine, um, In there he talks about he describes it as a spikenard perfume. It's this, ah, this thing yeah. that is sharp um, in in the back of your in the back of your sense of smell, and he very much um, associates that with a sense of freedom because he talks about smelling those things when he was allowed out of school um, and and able to cycle up um, all, all over the Wiltshire Downs um, and to. To smell these things um, was, was very much associated with a sense of freedom. And, I, and, I, and we all have those. And so what, I have, are you, what are yours? Well, it's, it's funny. It's maybe not a natural scent, but something that brings a comfort. It's the smell of coal. Um, oh, really? And, and quite rightly, the world is t- turning away from its reliance on fossil fuels. But the smell of coal, for me, ha- carries with it certain connotations and memories of my childhood. And a sense of comfort and security. The, it's difficult to capture in words mm. but when you smell it suddenly it's it's encapsulated and so the linear nature of thought and words means that it's hard to express these things the nonlinear the nonlinear nature of scent and smell means it, it it's a bit like mm. german compound words for which there are there there are no equivalent <laughs> words in in the english language it's the same there there are no equivalent sentences and strings of words that can capture what a scent can um, then, in one moment. So that is
2: interesting, isn't it? We don't have a language, or us as English people living in Southern England, don't have a language that adequately can make all those links that we need to make with the smell. Because you mentioned a word to me yesterday about is it a Welsh word, nostalgia? Yeah, Welsh nostalgia word, for a home that the Welsh word, heirice. Yeah, yeah, and and in a way that I can't think of words like that work for smell.
1: No. No, and maybe they exist in other languages, which we're, which we're not aware of, and it would be really fascinating to, to to find some of those things out. And so this this idea of scent and memory is, is very strong. And um, in fact, you and I were, were out walking today near the coast, um, amongst reed beds and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and woodland as well, and we were, we were remembering some walks that we'd done in central Spain, where the smell of cistus or the smell of wild thyme um, was, was on the air. Um, but obviously there's so many other things and even the rocks um, in that place where we were walking were had a scent, it's the scent of the sun or they were releasing something in early yeah. evening, which, which gave the whole world a, a scent or that little bit of the world we were in gave, gave it a, a unique smell. And so I, I think the obviously sense are very linked to, to memory.
2: Yeah, and it was interesting because as you were talking, and I was thinking, I was casting my mind around really, and thinking. So it's because those herby, citrus, wild, time scents of Mediterranean countries or hot climates. It's kind of the go to. I was straight there with you with that, and then thinking, well, do we have the same experience of scent in cold? climates you know do we uh, I, I know i did because i suddenly mm. thought of something mm. that's almost leading question wasn't it really in my own answer yeah. but um but i was thinking about being on the tops of the Cairngorm mountains in scotland and there's something growing there it's it's just little deer grasses and, and mosses and these barren vegetation it's like being on greenland really that that, mm. that ecotype and um but it's pungent Mm. and and yet it's that you know that sort of arctic smell and i guess i've smelt things like that up in northern finland so but maybe you have to be a little well, tuned in and focus a bit more i don't know it's not kind of hitting you over the head with a hammer
1: well and i guess you only you only have to think about the scent of snow um because it does have a scent does it it, absolutely, honestly, it does it, you as, as you walk as you walk through that snowy landscape there's a kind of it's the same smell you pick up when you smell ice. I suppose for me ice has a has a has a, wow. a a really mild scent and you can I think if you were put down inside you know blindfolded in a in a sort of snowy place you could probably get there. That's um, interesting. Um, okay, with 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 that. Test that out. Yeah. That. Um so so I think yeah huge hugely linked to to memory and and, and to place obviously. Um next link then what about its link smells linked to taste because we all know that when we've you know got a cold or we're congested um, we can't really taste anything we can't even taste anything that we're eating and and you have to take a very conscious breath breath just mm-hmm. to get that little bit of taste and to get some, some pleasure and experience uh, it's uh, it's of that. Getting,
2: enhancing the moisture I guess in some way yeah, yeah. The I don't
1: whole, know what the physics of, of it are but it's system. essential clearly
2: yeah. um, that is interesting I I, I, was the weir- I had the weirdest example come to mind as you were talking then which was um, way back when when I was a more dissolute young man um, I used to enjoy smoking a good Cuban cigar and the way in which you're encouraged to smoke a cigar is, is as much the exhaling as the inhaling and it's not about just breathing in the smoke but the, you kind of allow the taste to move backwards and forwards through the mouth yeah you know, it's probably hideously bad for you <laughs> in yeah. all sorts of ways don't do this at home children but it's it, it clearly i remember that it particular because people talk about and it's kind of wine connoisseurs now and i enjoy a good a good, good glass of merlot or whatever but it's like the way in which you can taste things and smell things at the same time the way they're linked you have to work at you know you have to the way that you work the wine in your mouth is going to enhance Mm. the smell Mm. that you're getting and and that's what i remember with the with the yeah the the wine taste that they all these elaborate flavors and smells that people attribute to wine tea bags and (laughs) and whatever and 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 with and with cigars there's often you know there's all sorts of hints of cedar and chocolate and rum and things like that which you know it's just smoke yeah But, but nevertheless if you really work it properly with
1: your senses then there's more to it yeah and i m- my my i remember my father bringing home empty cigar boxes from you know i guess it was partly corporate gifts or something like that, that you know he'd bring it home for me and my brother so we could put our you know our badge collection inside them or whatever it was but they never really stopped smelling of cigars these these cigar boxes with this little bit of sort of tissue paper under the lid and it never really stopped smelling of those things um and I think that link to taste is something that we still, we, we talked earlier about, do we really now culturally use our sense of smell? Mm-hmm. And, and actually, I think it's something we've retained. It, uh, unfamiliar food, we will often yeah. just, even if it's momentary, mm-hmm. we will often just just take that in, just take mm-hmm. um, a scent in before popping it in our mouth because we, we want to be certain that we're not. Uh, and, and there must be an evolutionary instinct to do that I mean, I which know.
2: clearly i mean I'm, I'm a cat lover and so we've got cats in the house and uh you know when we put the food down for the cats the cats are i look at them and think you're being ridiculously cautious we put that food down for you three times a day but they walk up to the bowl and yeah they're just just checking it what Does it smell of does it smell bad does it smell good and of course i'm probably not like that I just grab something out of the fridge and unless it's weeks old i'm just going to start eating it and it's only later when you discover whether it's off or not you know it's yeah that is
1: interesting well and we we so we preparing for this i was reading that our our olfactory system is directly linked to our limbic See you know, the place where memory and mood and emotion lives in inside our physiology is our sense of smell is directly linked to to those things um And there's a lovely quote here from um, Fern Schumer Chapman. um, And she said, smells, I think, may be the last thing on earth to die. And so there's an an eternal nature to, I mean, you could get quite meta about that. Mm -hmm. If there was no human here to smell the pine tree, would it it smell? (laughs) Um, But uh, uh, there's something eternal about smells uh, and and scents um, that it's very hard for us to to destroy although indeed and you know we 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 often like to reference on this podcast that we want to keep up awareness that our planet is in mm-hmm. is in trouble yeah. and there's obviously a lot of environmental factors affecting our pollinators uh, at the moment and one of those is the is the science behind the our our flowers that used to smell have stopped smelling so strongly mm. Um, and uh, so you know, pollinators are finding it harder to to use them. And so I think those, despite the fact that they are I- eternal potentially, um, it, it's uh, it's something that we can still we still end up impacting, mm. or and or on top of that, our ability to detect these things becomes weakened over time. That's interesting, isn't it? Mm.
2: But I guess I guess. Um... Well, we still can tune ourselves in, can't we, even if those smells are weaker than they were before.
0: The other one is um, smell of rain on soil. And I was gonna say hot soil, but I think it's just any soil. I can really smell that smell, it's very important. And the first one actually is not a commonly found one, but it's the balsam poplar tree. Um, the resinous buds in spring for me are the most exotic, erotic and wonderful smell in the whole world and drive me insane um, and I'm very lucky to be doing the nightingales near one so I catch it on the wind, it's almost like three quarters of a mile away I can smell the balsam poplar as the, if the wind's in the right direction.
1: And that's what I was going to ask you. you. You 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 spend a lot of time thinking about how we interact with the non-human world, and indeed, a lot of your life and career has been about introducing other people to that mm-hmm. and, and helping them understand that. So, having established all those things, what scent is linked to that? That we're really not culturally sensitive to some of these things uh, potentially. Um, it. How do you think we can begin to? retrain ourselves and and regain that that importance and and really begin to see it as a sense as important as hearing and sight in our experience of the non-human so that
2: is interesting because you're right for years i led groups of people out into wild places to reconnect with nature or look for particular things and and very often pointing out the smells to them was the least productive thing to do because people's generally the sense of smell is very weak and some people it's more exaggerated than others clearly you can have the same thing with hearing you point out a bird call or the sound of a wolf howling in the distance or whatever and some people can hear it some can't depending on their acuity but smell was always one where you thought at least 50 percent of the people here are not going to pick up on this smell for me the problem with those group activities was you, you don't one i was going to say they but it may be i you don't have the opportunity to quiet the mind so and and I'm often guilty of this, too much processing going on, too much rationalizing, too much scrutinizing things. And for me when you when you actually stop the chatter in the mind quite meditative really, but but instead of just using nature as a place to blank out things, you actually become one with nature. So you're actually more attuned to things rather than dulling the senses. Um so that that for me is is a way that I'm really interested in showing people more of that, mm. and and it's sort of a, it's hard to find the language around it. But it's you know it's a oneness. It's a sort of a, it's less it's, it's a non-duality. You know, instead of thinking of yourself as outside of nature, you put yourself inside of nature. Uh, there's a, there's a an author and wilderness tracker with the glorious name of Tamarack Song, mm. and you know it's, he really is conjuring phrases that many indigenous people use, particularly Native Americans, where if you want to find raspberry, you have to be raspberry. Think of where you would go and pick raspberries, but don't just do it in an analytical way. Literally quiet in the mind and think. Imagine being a raspberry, where you would grow, what you would taste like, what you would smell like. And then you, you're, you're linking through to some sort of primal part of the brain where, where you don't have to process that information. It just flows between you and the place. Does that make sense? It's yeah, kind of, yeah. It may, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, there's a lovely quote here from a writer that you and I admire, a guy called Aldo Leopold, and um, in his Sand County Almanac, Almanac from the July chapter in, in that book. He talks about the birds singing and him taking his dog out for a walk. And he said, we sally forth, the dog and I, He has paid scant respect to all those vocal goings-on, for to him the evidence of tenantry is not song but scent. Now he is going to translate for me the olfactory poems that who knows what silent creatures have written in the night. And I'm taken with this lovely idea that um, if we choose to, we can begin to read these places through smell um and through scent not in a sort of tracking way not Mm -hmm. in a hunting way necessarily Mm -hmm. um as the dog might naturally feel about them but but in some different way um in some new way to appreciate the complexity of what's going around on around us when we're in that forest for instance
2: because we know that's the way ecosystems are truly working Mm. aren't they if they want to attract pollinators or bats or whatever it is to them then scents are being pumped out everywhere and it, it seems that Plants can detect scents between one another. Mm. So when they're giving off a chemical signal, somehow they've got the, the equipment to register that, which is which is very very interesting. I've got a kind of slightly left field anecdote that I was thinking about because I'm very very tuned into the smell of some mammals. You know, I always think it's a very strong smell, for example, of fox, red fox. You know, and, it, and it, if a fox has been by nearby, I can I can smell it straight away. You know, I can smell it on the undergrowth, and if you're near it, a fox earth you know Mm. it's it's super strong um but my partner Gina, she didn't always pick up on that smell but once i started pointing it out and we we lived at that time in in a very urban part of west london a lot of foxes there and they're untroubled you know so they're they're everywhere it's very very strong smell she started to pick up on it and we were walking through an underpass somewhere in london and she suddenly said oh my goodness i can really smell foxes here and it did make me laugh, because there's a guy at the end of the other path smoking the most enormous joint. <laughs> so, <laughs> which to me doesn't, Mystery smell, solved. doesn't smell like foxes, but uh, anytime time we, we smell somebody who's herbally refreshed, shall we say, always, <laughs> that, like, the smell of foxes.
1: <laughs> well, you uh, you actually introduced me to that scent, whether you remember this or not, when we were walking along on, in, in, uh, on the coast again um, in a different part of the country, but... Uh, as we were walking by, he said, "Fox," and then he carried on walking, and and I was obsessed with learning the smell. That I remember, I was walking backward and forward oh, across the that. the I same thought, the same that, piece that, yeah. of track overing until I until I got it. But actually, what's it? What was interesting about that lesson is, is that scent doesn't work in a way that it, it doesn't work in a linear doesn't stay it doesn't stay yeah. still it was as if as if i stepped back three steps i would smell it again and that that's not how it works yeah. it's about the it's about how smell interacts with everything around you and it's always going to move on it's always going to you you almost have to catch it by chance um you, you can never sort of do it and i'm i'm Right, I'm going to go to this spot because, yeah, I, no. because I'm going to smell that smell. We, we don't have the equipment to do that. I no. don't think, well, maybe
2: we do. And maybe we're being disservice to indigenous people or people from other cultures who mm. absolutely do have an ability to go unerringly straight to where yeah. the source of yeah. that smell is. Whereas, as you say, you, you kind of want to pass and smell it on the wind. Yeah. But And it's gone.
1: And, and I had to, and I think, again, an experience that was really key for me was um, my first real experience of seeing a bear. Um, who bears have terrifically poor eyesight but whereas a dog's sense of smell is 100 times or so greater than ours uh, a bear's is 2100 times more sensitive than ours and there was a moment where we were watching this bear largely untroubled um, and it 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 possibly knew we were there but wasn't showing any signs of that Um, but as we were watching it there was a moment and it and it turned its head and looked straight towards us mm. over over a distance which it because of its poor eyesight it wouldn't have really been able to see as clearly um, but it but it completely locked onto us it stared straight down straight through my binoculars <laughs> into my eyes right. and through my soul um, uh, and it was clear that it was it was a scent just caught on the moon, like, like that scent of a fox he just caught the scent of a human the scent of something less familiar and locked onto it with such speed and such accuracy that it really taught me a lesson um um of just how again how blunt we are as humans compared to some of these things that some of these animals that well, as henry beston says lives live guided by voices and senses that that we have lost or never attained, in his words, things that we can barely I- imagine, really. Yeah. And it is a barrier,
2: isn't it? That is a barrier. Which, um, as you said earlier on, what you're referring to is how do we surmount that barrier? How do we connect? And it, it does seem to be a a quietening of the chatter, of the, the logical processing. And, and I and c- can be shockingly bad at it and very good at it, depending on on the way my brain is in any given day. You know, sometimes it's so busy analyzing things or trying to learn things or you know it's kind of like um i suppose it's like people trying to learn the sounds of birds from an app or cd if you become obsessed with that and of course you've got to learn them somehow but it actually it's a disconnect creeps in there it becomes you know it's sort of a times table eventually it will become second nature there's a lot of separating yourself from things which is i think counterproductive
0: smell of snakes I thought this was, I've always said this I can smell snakes and they smell slightly musky or musty actually and um, I didn't know if that was a thing and then recently I looked it up do snakes smell and hey presto up it popped yes they smell mus- musty I really like the smell of ivy when it's when the flowers are coming out when it's starting to bud
1: desert island smells time um and um and you mentioned it you mentioned a couple of things already we both have but uh are there one or two scents that that really speak to you um and uh, w- whether that speaks to you of a memory a moment a particular place a particular um ecology or in- environment what would you uh, w- we're in that thing where you often do which is you know if you had to describe these things to an alien, what what would it, what would those sense be? Okay, I, I've
2: given it very little mm. thought, but it's but it's somewhat best to go with that, isn't it? One of the first things that come to mind. So the first one I was thinking of is, um, and the, these are not the same plant, but when I've travelled a lot in Wyoming or Montana or in Yellowstone, um, sagebrush is mm. the common vegetation, mm. and when it's Very dry, or even when it's damp, you know, it's a very oily plant. Grey leaves, um, growing, you know, a foot high, a couple of feet high, less than half a meter. um, But it's very aromatic. So it takes me to those places. I suddenly imagine myself stepping off the paved road through the sagebrush, listening to the sound of the western meadowlarks, little bright yellow gems. pointed beaks singing off the top of the sagebrush bushes and all the time alert for the chance of seeing a bear or a wolf amongst the the herds of bison that are gracing there so it's a related plant but a completely different experience which is californian white sage and californian white sage is a plant dried that that i and lots of other people use as a kind of I it's a shamanic tool or it's a meditative tool and it's it burns easily it's the same oily sort of silvery white leaves that when they're dried they give off clouds of aromatic smoke and it cues my brain into getting into another state and that could just be relaxed or cleansed I mean many cultures uh, Native Americans use that as a smudge as a cleansing smoke to rid yourself of energies around you but if i find i've been hectic busy traveling and want to be fully present then dousing myself in that smoke a feels like it's going to b clearly that smell is telling my brain this is the time you're going to relax this is the time you're going to go to some other place so it's a, it's that direct connection it's very hard to describe mm. the smell um because we conjure around with us think of the words then as sort of a a sweetness and an acidity to it and um probably um it's kind of like that sort of cedar wood aroma, I guess. It's got a sort of a was that a sawn wood smell? It, mm-hmm. none of those are none of them are adequate. I'm absolutely yeah, floundering yeah. as you're looking yeah. at my face thinking what's he blathering on about. I, I just I don't know the words to, to capture that and that's that's something I can't work out whether I need it or not. Do I need the analytical overlay on that that logically tells me what's what's going on there, or do I just bathe in the smell? It corrects directly with some reptilian part of my brain and takes me to another place. So uh, I'm going to have one cheeky one more if Go that's for all it. right. Which Go is, for it. um, it's about as obscure as you might get. But it's like when I'm out on the ocean looking for whales and dolphins. And I've been, saying places like um, the Bay of Fundy, which is on the Canadian-US border. Very good place to go and see whales. And on a, on a calm, slightly cool, misty day, mats of seaweed drift by. The water is filled with little copepod microorganisms. It's a deep, luminous green-blue in the water that you feel you can peer deep into but can't it plays tricks with the eyes and that has a smell and when I smell that it's like something switches in me like a hunter and I'm looking for whales it's like there's the food here that the whales will eat and then I'm alert for a secondary smell which is the stinky cabbagey smell of whale breath (laughs) so I'm kind of linking one smell with another I can smell this smell I wonder if it's got the second smell here and in which case then I'm going to be listening out for the the whoosh, the exhalation of breath, or I'm going to be tuned in for some silvery, sleek black back arcing through the water and a
1: little fin on the top. What about you? I think, as, and I think I sense if I gave you open, open sort of free range with my question, that you could go on and on and on, and your well, well, one. <laughs> One thing would lead to another, and it was you were talking about pine earlier. I yeah. think, well, pine for whatever reasons is is sort of quite universal, isn't it? You know, it's the reason why little car air fresheners are cut into the shape of a pine tree so for whatever yeah, for whatever reason that, yeah. we we kind of we kind of we kind of alight upon that, and it's something. It's a smell that's really important to me, especially in north sort of sandy North Norfolk, where I'm where I'm from. Um, the idea of walking through those sort of gnarled scots pines and smelling that really important to me but because we've talked about pine already i'm going to just put that one aside and say that you know a lot of people like that so we'll you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll move on um there is a, a, a sort of smell or it's a and the other thing about smell is it's as you say if we can't separate out of the component it it become like a sagebrush or something it becomes um the way it changes the um thickness of the air can sometimes almost be a scent and something from sort of traveling um, around and especially traveling with my my wife is is uh, coming across um, uh, bougainvillea Mm. in in Mm. sort of tropical subtropical parts of the world and uh, obviously has a few colonial connotations uh, bougainvillea but when when you come across it in profusion these huge great cascades and waterfalls of flowers it creates these big sort of cages of vegetation that have a very particular smell and actually when you're in the heat of an unfamiliar city and everything's exciting um, and you come across these great big you know rows and almost streets of of this flower cascading down um, and uh, you walk close to it and everything seems to slightly change and so things become a little bit cooler you're you're blessed by the 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 slight coolness that the that It seems to radiate, and with that comes, as I say, a subtle change in in the sort of texture of the air around you. And there's a little natural scent there that seems a little bit out of place in the middle of the city, but it's there and is very beautiful and transports me. That's a, and um, that's a brilliant
2: bit of word 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 picture painting there because I, I suddenly thought, oh, really? Yes, you're right. You can feel a different temperature in yourself mm, around yeah. the smell. I hadn't even thought about that.
1: Yeah. Um. Another thing for me, maybe a little more work a day, but uh but uh, something that I, you know, sort of you get a little bit addicted to after a while is the, is the smell of um fungi. The smell of mushrooms and fungi and uh, you sort of take pick something or even if you're lying down on the on the ground and you smell that it's it's a particular scent or it's a particular family of scents that's a little bit different. Um, from other things, and I think to smell the gills um, of of uh, on the, certainly on 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 the on the gilled species of of fungi, to smell those things, and again, you struggle to put things into words. It's because we can't talk about a smell without referring to other smells, yeah. and so instantly, it's a bit like the it tastes like chicken. You you can't uh, you have to use another descriptor or another thing that smells a bit similar to try and get close to it. All of which become inadequate after a while because they're not the thing itself they're not they're not unique enough descriptions um for it to work and so yeah the sort of underside those gills uh, that fungi is uh, is uh, i don't find it transporting i just find it very uh very real very very grounding
2: and that's very interesting because the sense of smell with foraging for wild fungi is an important one mm. because often similar species smell quite differently you know, so some of the the Amanita mushrooms, which can look superficially similar to field mushroom, um, you have to smell them because they have a you know sort of bitter almonds smell to mm. them, uh, as opposed to a mushroom smell, which is what books say it smells of mushrooms. Yeah, um, but some of them don't, mm. and it's important to to check as well as cutting it. You have to check some of the smells. Yeah. I'd forgotten about
1: Yeah, that. and I, and I um. And, and certainly my my wife loves the smell of being near orange trees. Oh,
2: that's lovely isn't and, it? And yeah. yeah, that's sort of,
1: and or neroli it's smelling the oil is is just hedonism it is, is yeah. pure hedonism isn't mm-hmm. it and, uh, and we often do that you know we especially in the depths of winter where actually in 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 Britain uh, households often have tangerines in the house yes. uh, such um, yeah. humours and you often sort of pick those up and and Smell them, and they are—they are really, really important to sort of smell those things before you before you break into them. It did
2: make me think. Actually, I'm quite addicted to a particular smell. It's like a <laughs> let's hear it's it. It's a kind of compulsion, isn't it? It's kind of like I can't stop myself. And uh, so, if I'm walking along a, a row of gardens or a street or something, and I come across a rosemary bush, mm. I have to run my hand through because it's also very tactile. The way let's that the, the individual leaves are as rosemary run through your uh, your palm and your fingers, and then what's left behind is that incredible aroma. And then I walk along and just keep smelling my hand for minutes, possibly a lot more than that
1: later. And I think you've described something that's very familiar to a lot of people because I too can't just can't help it, you can't pass it by without running a branch. You don't need to pick it. No. You just run it across your hand. But it can be in somebody else's garden. It's not even my rosemary. <laughs> I have no
2: right to go and touch that rosemary, but, uh, rosemary, <laughs> rosemary, but I can't stop myself. Yeah, it's,
1: it's remarkable, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think we've probably come full circle. I really enjoyed talking about this, and I hope that our listeners have too, because it's uh, it's something I want to be more more conscious of.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of... Uh, I hope I kind of know that everybody listening will be listening to us wittering on but also thinking about those smells that work for them or have memories attached or how can you tune in a little bit more and I think it is a it's a powerful connection with the non-human and you know it's getting us back to our animal senses it's getting us back to something which is the barrier between us and the rest of the earth. Yeah, we are part of that, not separate, in, in almost every meaningful way.
1: Talking about tangerine, I'll tell you enjoys a satsuma. Who's that? Mick Jones from The Clash. <laughs> How do you
2: know Well,
1: that? it's a long story, but the last time I saw him, he was putting them away.